Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. How can I deliver consistent long-term results? It begins with a distinctive approach to managing money that for over 85 years has focused on keeping confidence up when markets are down. An approach where portfolio managers work well independently and even better together. Who don't just invest, but are personally invested. Can I find a proven approach designed to deliver the results I need? With Capital Group, I can. Welcome back to the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and today I'm joined by a gentleman all the way from, well, let's say the, the other side of the world, uh, John Kennedy. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you, man, for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Fantastic. Now, obviously, you are not from Australia. Let's get that out of the way straight away. Where, where are you coming to us from? So, Orlando, Florida. So, uh, east side of the United States, right around Mickey Mouse land. So, Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> coming to us live from Disney World. I love it. Uh, fantastic. Yep. So, uh, so John, obviously, let's get started. Uh, I'm going I'm to start with a really cheesy conversation. Let's go into the fact that your name is John Kennedy. Please tell me your middle name starts with an uh, F. Yes, I love, I love starting with the cheesy talk. So <laughs> it is, it is F, but it's Francis, not Fitzgerald. Right. So technically, Sweet. I am John F. Kennedy, um, and I don't know if I've shared this with you yet. I probably, I might have uh, before, but my wife's name is Jackie, and that's that's not a joke. We are John and Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> what do you? I mean, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's <laughs> it. it, it uh, I think maybe it was destiny. Maybe it was meant to be. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what I like to say. You know, you meet a Jackie. We met in college. We met many years ago, and uh, you know, it was it was meant to be. But we did avoid the whole John John Caroline. Like our kids have different <laughs> names. So we thought that would be too weird. It was already, you, you know, hard enough that we're John and Jackie Kennedy. You broke the chain. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, at least at least this, this uh, podcast episode should uh, go crazy on the Google Analytics then, if that's the case. There we go. I, you, you still can't find me via Google unless you search with my company name. So we're going to change that, you know, we're going to change uh, that, but it's hard. I'm, I'm buried deep in the Google searches. That is a very, very good point. How do you actually, you know, have a bit of a personal branding in this situation? I think, you know, really leverage the whole CFP thing. Yeah. So I'm a certified yep. financial planner. So you got to have something connected to the name to differentiate, I yep. guess. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. So we'll, uh, we've done that now. I'll get that out of the way. I just had to. I just had to go there. I'm sorry. That's just uh, my personality. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Now, obviously, uh, now well, you know the podcast. You've actually listened to it, or you listened to it in the US. Yeah. Uh, so my business partner and I started our company in 2018, and we've we've been avid listeners. I mean, I think for from my point of view, and probably a lot of people that listen. Like you, there's, there's not a, almost, there's not enough information to consume out there. Like it, you, you just want to continue to get your hands on more and more. Um, and we're very entrepreneurial spirited. Um, we love learning about different, just different ways and perspectives to apply to our industry and what we do. And I mean, that's the beauty. I mean, this is a global, this is a global show and that's the beauty of it that we're, I'm here in Florida recording this with you. Um, and you're in Australia. I think it's the coolest thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Generally speaking, when it comes to, you know, setting up a business, looking after and creating a relationship based business with other human beings, uh, yeah, we're all humans. It doesn't really matter what part of the world we're in. It, it doesn't. And I think that it would be easy to, and we'll get into the, into uh, my partnership uh, with Matt Marcoux, my business partner in a moment, but it would be easy to really feel like you're, you're kind of on an island with this industry. You know, if you, if you if you set out to do this on your own and you're you're an independent advisor, that is just you, you already feel kind of isolated. So we're, you know, we, we're reaching out and trying to be, you know, parts of different communities, and that just doesn't need to be based in Florida anymore. It can be anywhere in the world. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, yeah. uh, obviously, we'll get into the the fact that you've started your own business, and we'll talk through that. Um, I'd love to hear that journey. But before we get sure. into that, um, let's go back. Uh, let tell us about your journey. Tell us how you got into being a financial planner in the first place. Well, uh, I actually started in college. I was int very interested in marketing and branding. And I took one personal finance course, which I don't know, um, you know, the differences and how it might be in Australia, but here in the States, like it's, you, you don't learn 
economics. You don't learn per, in any type of personal finance or how to do your tax return. I mean, you don't you don't willingly learn that stuff not until college, and that's only if you opt into it. Um, and so I took a personal finance course, and I was sold. Like immediately, I just I loved every aspect of finances, and I thought this stuff is really complex. And there's got to be an outlet to be able to help other people do this. Um, and, you know, that's kind of, I just, I, you know, never, never looked back since. Well, it's, it, you're exactly right. There is not a lot taught in schools. There's a little bit. But tell me yeah. about this personal finance course. I think this is really interesting. So you took this as part of your college degree? Yes. Yeah. And it was an elective. It wasn't something that was by any means a requirement. And um, I can't remember the, the gentleman's name who uh, was the professor of the, of the class, but he was a former CFO of a company. And he was, you know, semi-retired, just like, you know, talking about finance. And this was, this was definitely the course for him. He had high energy about it. So I think that helped because it wasn't like this, oh, man, this is boring math and stuff that sucks. Like it was, it was exciting because it was real life, very practical things. And it just, it really sucked me in. And the, after the moment I took that course, I switched from marketing to finance um, and then, you know, just did internship after internship. And I don't know, that was that was in two, that first class was in 2005 and it's 2021 yep. now. So I haven't looked back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting and you're absolutely right. It, it, it is your personal money. It is your money. So if you're, you know, what else could you be uh, interested in your own life and how it's going to turn out? So I think that was a, that's a great course and probably something uh, that, you know, maybe should it be available here that we could look at. So fantastic. That's a really yeah. cool story. And then so you so you then uh, uh, you got qualified and then you where, where did you go from there? Yeah. So I started interning at a company that now my business partner was the one who hired me at the time. So uh, rewind to 2008. That was, you know, the great recession of 08. Nobody was hiring for anything back then. So you had to kind of do free unpaid uh, work to, to even get looked at. And uh, my now business partner hired me and he was he was my mentor. And so it was just it is kind of funny because we go back and forth about that. He, he likes to joke. He's like, you know, I, I am the one who hired you like this. This wouldn't have happened. If, but it, it uh, it's just it's kind of crazy to look back and see that. But I do think that um, I was that interested in this field that I was willing to work for free. And that was that was perhaps unique. I don't think you see that as much now, at least in the States. You know, most internships are paid. Uh, most co-ops, anything that has to do with like a, a college credit course, you know, they're typically paid. But I just, I wanted to get in. And that was during a time where nobody was hiring and nobody was paying. Yep. Yeah. You know, I think the number one uh, quality when it comes to getting a job is, is, is it that, you know, showing up and being motivated and, and wanting to be there. So, you know, well done. Now, yeah. um, you said you met uh, Matthew, obviously he hired you. Um, yeah. But tell me about the, the fact that you're probably both different human beings at the time. Yeah, I mean, different. He's he was about a decade older, uh, is a decade older than I am. Had been in the industry for much longer than me, and I had a lot to learn from him. But what's funny is over the years, and I think it's because we were together all the time. We talk fifteen plus times a day. We're in meetings together. We do so much together. We we're we're good friends outside of outside of work as well. Our families get together, and you fast forward to now, and we all we kind of sound alike. So so sometimes clients will call. And we do have this very team-based approach. So whether it's Matt or whether it's me, um, you know, sometimes clients will call and they don't know the difference, which is kind of funny. Um, but I, I will say our styles are are different. We have our own strengths and they're not the same. And and I really think as a in having a business partner, there's a lot of challenges to that just because, I mean, everybody hears all the horror stories about having a business partner and the bad things that can happen. Um, I'm, I'm here to, to advocate for business partnerships, which I know we'll get into in a moment. Um, but I think one of the key elements to that is we really trust each other and we do have complementing strengths. We don't necessarily know and do all the same things together. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Now let, let's go yeah. through that moment. Obviously you were working together and then, uh, how did you decide that you wanted to start your own business? Yeah. Well, it was, um, it was probably, it's not as exciting as it, as it seemed then, as I look back, but um, we definitely wanted to make sure, and this isn't a knock on the previous firm by any means, but we wanted to make sure we always had like the autonomy and the control to make sure we could do planning the way we wanted to. Like I never ever wanted to be influenced by someone else who wasn't in a client meeting with me and didn't intimately know that that 
that client, that husband, wife, whatever, um, and say, well, this is this is the type of product that you should be selling, or this, or this is how their financial plan should be run. Because I I just genuinely felt like I'm the one in these meetings. I I I know that, and I'm I'm skilled at this. I've I'm credentialed. I'm a certified financial planner. And he felt the same way. And again, it wasn't necessarily a knock on the previous firm, but we really liked being able to have our own footprint on how we felt like we should be collaborating and doing financial planning. So I think the two key components is, um, you know, we formed this thing that's that's called an ensemble approach, which I'll talk about. And and again, I, I think for us, it was really about we, we wanted to be able to do something significant enough to make a difference in our clients' lives, like in, in the community of people that we know um, and that know, like, and trust us and, and look up to us for financial advice and good stewardship and financial practice, we really wanted to be able to make a difference. And starting Canterpath was was our way of doing that. Fantastic. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to dig a little deeper into this point sure. because um, when, and then this happens all the time, all around the world with 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 uh, people that work or advisors that work for a business, um, as you were, you're employed, and their business has a way, this is the way we do things around here. And the individual then thinks, well, I, I, that doesn't quite sit well. I want, I want to do this thing, this other thing that's slightly different. How important is it then when you're now the business and you're hiring other, you know, planners that, you know, because there's two sides of this, this story, right? Because the business wants to make sure that we have consistency and this is the way we do things. And then the individual might have a different flair or style. How important is it to to work that stuff out really quickly before you get too far down the track? Yeah, that's so that's really critical. And I think this past year we've we've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what are like because we because Matt and I had to come together, even though there are a lot of similarities, we we did things differently. And something as simple as how we took notes or how we communicated um, you know, post action you know, post meeting action items. And so we had to bring all of that together in a very uniform way where we felt like it was agreeable. And we're we're on the beginning stages of facing that next challenge that you mentioned, where um, we're we're quite close to hiring what will be a, a paraplanner. Um, and the beauty of listening to your show is that I've I've recognized that there are a lot like a lot of the terminology and language is is the same. So I've heard you guys talk a lot about paraplanners. So I imagine that's the same thing um, in the states. And that person, he or she, will eventually, most likely, at least in this one instance of who we're who we're uh, interviewing, will want to be an advisor someday as well. Will want to graduate from that position and that role. And so we're working that out. So I think that's that's part of it. Is I want to make sure that that person, he or she feels that same level of autonomy and control in those conversations that I wanted to feel, that Matt wanted to feel. So really important. I think honestly, part of it though, is just open communication. Like we're, we're, we're all figuring this out and we're, we're learning along the way too, but yeah, great challenge. And hopefully I have a better answer next time. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's a really good answer. Uh, you know, like uh, communi- that open communication, that conversation that if you are feeling something, uh, and the business policy is we do it this way around here, that you should be able to communicate that. I think this might be a better way. And then for the business to have that flexibility to go, actually, you know what? We could we could bring these two together and meet in the middle and then yeah. improve both the business and the and the working relationship. So, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's a really good answer. Now, now tell us, so, so you've gone, you know, three and a half odd years ago, decided to open this business together. You obviously knew each other. You knew... All your, you know, all the good parts and bad parts about each other, and open and honest conversation. Tell us about um, setting up the business, finding a name for the business. Where did the name come from? Um, so we had a moment where we all sat around, and I say we all. It was Matt, myself, and his wife, and and my wife, and um, probably I don't know a glass of wine too many, but uh, we were all just kind of shooting around, like just firing off names, like round robin, quick go go go, and we liked the word candor. Uh, just because of what that represents, you know, open, honest, transparent. And so we were just trying to come up with a connective word to that because we're like, oh, candor financial. Eh, it doesn't, eh, it just sounds maybe like too institutional or something. I don't know. And so we wanted a connective word with that. Um, interestingly, we hired a, we hired a, a company to help us come up with what that second. So it's so simple because it's candor path. Um, yet we couldn't see it and we had to, we had to hire a consultant to kind of help us come up with that name anyway. And I'm glad we did that because it gave us, I think, validity and feel like we knew by the end of that process, 
this is definitely the name, you know, so Canter Path Financial, our guidance, your journey. And it's just meant to represent that, that honest and transparent conversations we have with clients on their path to financial freedom. Um, and I think more interestingly, when we were, when we were trying to come up with like, how short, how should the company be structured? Um, you know, what are the different pros and cons of all these different types of structures out there? We, we landed on a partnership and we, that, that really, that came early on from, um, a book, which I, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's called The Ensemble Approach by Philip Palaviv. Um, he's here in the States, I believe out in um, Seattle or California. And um, we read that book cover to cover probably six times. Um, and I mean, if you, look at, if you look at my copy, I mean, the pages are torn out. The, there's highlights and notes taken all over. The whole book's highlighted. It's like you can't even, you can't even understand what I was doing when I was reading it um, the first six times. But we just kept coming back to we, if we're going to serve clients this way, in this in this team based approach, this is a team based company. It's a partnership, and it needs to be treated that way. So that was, t- truth be told, that was the easiest decision that I think we had to make was that it was a fifty fifty partnership. What was interesting, um, and I was talking to Matt about this today, actually in preparation for this for this call or for this talk. Um, I said, "Did you consult people? Like, did you talk to other people about working with me and having a partnership?" He's like, "Nope, gut instinct, knew it." And I was like, wow, that's wild. Can I tell you that I talked to like a bunch of people? And and I said, I, I felt the same way, like gut instinct for sure. But I just, you know, I consulted other people that I knew that, you know, that were in our industry, aren't in our industry, what have you. And uh, and everybody told me not to not to go into a partnership. Not They didn't know him. They knew me. But they said, don't, you know, don't go into a partnership. And I thought, now looking back, I understand why that advice was given. But just not, I don't feel like that's sage advice. I, I'm sure they were trying to protect me and they care about me, but that to me is such a, um, ah, I don't know, a scarcity way of looking at it, I suppose. I mean, there's there's so much more fun and collaboration and goodness that can come from working together as a team. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it is very difficult to give somebody advice in that situation because all you can do is think yeah. about, you know, uh, you know, I want to protect you and I want to let you know that there's there's all sorts of things that can go wrong. But you're absolutely right. There's a hell of a lot of things that can go right as well. And uh, <laughs> right. and uh, and coming at it from that collaborative, you know, the, obviously you'd both read the, the ensemble approach uh, and you wanted that to be, you know, a, a, a cornerstone of the business. So So that was, you know, I think it's great. Um, you, you then, uh, you then started this business up. You obviously put some money in, you obviously paid some people, like you said, to, you know, to come up mm-hmm. with a name, but also, um, you come up with some, uh, you know, marketing and, and lines and things that you wanted to stand for. And of course, create a, a website. Uh, tell us about that process. Yeah. I mean, it was, for me, that was a lot of fun, which if, if Matt was here, he'd, he'd talk to you about, this is one of those elements of like playing on each other's strengths. So the marketing and the branding side, that's not necessarily what he loves doing. He loves being in client meetings. He loves sitting face-to-face in difficult conversations, working with clients as they're facing really challenging times or great times or what have you. And not that I don't like that either, but there's a component of me that loves marketing and branding. If you remember at the beginning of this, I told you I st- in, in college, that's actually what I started studying before I found personal finance. And so he really let me kind of go into it um, and, and run with it. And... Uh, Obviously, there's been there was a lot of input by both of us, but I think creating the website, creating the brand. What's interesting is all that stuff seems so challenging, and it definitely is. Don't get me wrong, but there's so many resources out there today that just even like ten years ago didn't exist. Um, whether it's companies like Fiverr or um, you know some of those some of those uh, what's the word I'm looking for like crowdsourcing companies or they you know you yeah, can they- go and get an independent contractor to do some work for you. Yeah, the gig economy type, you know, people yeah. people that want to contract, yeah. Yeah, Consult- yeah. And so we 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 most certainly leveraged that, whether it was, um, you know, we call it sonic branding, but like some of our audio branding that we created, um, we had a good friend create our logo. And so we, you know, we we leveraged our network of people and then we, we hired out what we just knew we couldn't do. Um, so it was a really, it was a really fun process and it's evolved because, um, you know, when you start, you're afraid like year one was keep our clients like don't don't lose a client don't mess up don't lose a client um and so you definitely have this like scarcity perspective i think at first or at least we did anyway and so we were afraid to hire we were afraid to uh spend anything because we you know that and that's i feel like that's a normal evolution of a business 
especially in year one. Like you are very, you know, tight guarded with, with the finances. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk to you about year one, but I'm going to come back okay. to the Sonic branding because I want to, I really want to okay. get down to the bottom of what you do and how you do that with Alexa. Um, let's talk about year one, starting from scratch, no clients. Um, yep. What did you do? Obviously, you know, you mentioned that the fact that we had to be careful with what you spent because you, t- <laughs> yeah, and what you earn. How did you go about, um, right. you know, just finding your first few clients and then and getting the momentum? In year one? Well, I will say the the biggest blessing was our clients came with us, so we we gave them the option to, um, and a lot of companies do have some some uh, legal situations that might prohibit them from doing that. We did not. Um, our clients came with us, and frankly, I mean. It, that the statistics aren't good. They don't support that. Usually when you go out and you start your own thing, either you have a non-compete and no one comes with you, or if clients do come with you, the the rate of attrition is pretty high. Um, and we were financially prepared to lose 40 to 50% of our revenue in year one as a result of this. Thank God. And this is not a, um, I'm not saying this to be overly confident, but what I am saying this is, is to prove that Having converse, honest conversations with clients in their living room, in coffee shops, via Zoom. I mean, we told every single client, here's what we're doing. We're passionate about what we're doing. We love what we do and we want to do it with you. Um, and you've got, there's like your choice, whatever you end up doing, we're okay with. You're never going to upset us. But our, all of our clients came. And what was fascinating about that was we started getting more client referrals almost immediately, like within the first six months. And we're thinking clients are probably concerned about what's the viability of this or the, are these guys going to be here in a few years? But it was on the contrary. What happened is, and I never realized this, but clients were, were they, they felt more connected because they felt invited into this, into this business and this brand with us. And they felt compelled to want to refer. And I even had a client once tell me, well, you know, I didn't really know what your structure was at your previous company. I thought like you just, like they just gave you clients and you were on a salary and you didn't really, you know, you weren't trying to proactively acquire clients. And I was like, no, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. Um, but now they, you know, clients feel more connected to it. And that was a really interesting transition um, that Matt and I were just talking about the other day. Cause we're like, wow, do you like, that was, I don't think we would have, we could have predicted that at all. Yeah. Exactly. I, I see there's two sides to this one. One is they're invited in as a foundation client, helping this business, you know, and they sort of feel the sense of uh, gratitude, whether, whether they're a foundation client and they've helped this business grow and they feel like they're a part of the business. Um, on the other hand, I could say, you're now offering the same client a different service or a different product, let's say, because you're, you know, as in your business. There's a, there's a little bit of retraining. Somebody might be used to and like a certain thing and then you have to sort of retrain their client because I think there's a lot of that all around the world, especially here in Australia, where people are thinking, well, how do I introduce a values-based advice process to an old, how, how do I tra- retrain my, my existing clients? Yeah, I think we've, we've, we've faced a little bit of an uphill battle in certain scenarios. Um, I would even say that at first it was, you know, Matt and I were doing everything, right? I mean, we were doing, we were doing the paperwork, we were conducting the meetings, we were doing all of the action items, all the prep work for it. Um, and as we added some staff, which I know we'll get into later, uh, you know, clients were, there were a handful of clients that kind of, you know, would call me directly. And, and I think what was, what, that was an opportunity and that could have gone really bad or really good. You know, if I just, if, if the conversation track was, no, I'm, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm too busy to do paperwork. Um, that probably doesn't come out very well to the client. That doesn't feel great, especially for, which I love the term you used, a foundational client, a foundation client. Um, that's not going to go out, come out well. But if, if you approach it with the language of, hey, listen, you know, in the long run, it's probably not the best thing that you want. You, you probably don't want your advisor wearing every single hat of this company. And so we've really tried to make sure there's certain tasks, repeatable tasks that I often would mess up. And now we have someone that ensures those things do not get messed up. Um, and so this is now the appropriate channel if we're going to make a beneficiary change or, or something. Um, I think that part was was perhaps the, the most difficult. Um, but otherwise clients were just very open about the whole thing and they were excited for us they were excited for us and it just it 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 moved beyond just this this business relationship where they hired us and paid us for a service and we're the service professional and 
it really moved beyond that for us. And it was so eye-opening. I mean, obviously, I don't want to be too optimistic and encourage people to go out, leave their companies and do this. But at the same time, this was transformative for my life anyway. And I think the funny thing is, and I'm sorry if I'm going off on a a tangent about this, but um, outside looking in, my daily life didn't change. Like I, I was, I was an advisor. I was a CFP. I met with clients. I gave them, you know, good financial practices, good, good exercise, good, uh, you know, advice and and so on. But I loved what I was doing all of a sudden. Like I, I was doing it for, for our own brand and our own mission. And I was, I don't know, it was just, it was was much more exciting. And I wake up with a fire in my belly now that I didn't have four years ago. So it's cool. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Now I want to get into, (laughs) I want to get into this, uh, the team and the ensemble approach. But before I do that, I think it's probably best that we um, go back a step and talk about the type of advice you're providing because it's, you're very much around the values based, understanding the client, um, you know, setting goals, all these types of things before you get to the products last, obviously. Um, So tell me about the, um, the actual style of advice you're providing. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good point because most of the time when I first talk with somebody, they just assume, I think your average person just comes up with a narrative of what a financial advisor is. And part of that is just re-educating somebody on like, well, here's how we do it. And so it, it's a very holistic approach. So we look at, um, obviously, the you know what I say to, what I say to prospects or, or oncoming clients is, you're not a good advisor if you don't know and can't do the portfolio and analysis component, but you're also not a good advisor if that's the only thing you do. Um, because we're sitting in these meetings and a client, the client comes to me and says, hey, we're looking to buy a new home or we're going to buy a rental property and how is that going to impact our tax return? And I mean, the scope of conversations, I, I've always said, if it affects your financial life, we're talking about it with you. And they're almost... Almost every decision in your life has a financial implication, big or small. So whether that is, um, a, you know, estate and legal planning for uh, generations to come, or making sure the money flows the way they want to, whether that is having the proper types of insurance in place, uh, we don't we don't necessarily like sell those policies, but we will at least uh, advise and coach them on what you know which ones they should have and what they should be looking at. Um, the retirement plan and the projections, you know, there's nothing worse than thinking you're on track for retirement and then finding out you were set to retire early and oops, that, that, you know, you know, one bad stress test, you were one bad stress test away from this thing not working. Um, so it really is a holistic approach and it's, I think what we've, what we've grown comfortable in or confident in is when someone comes to us and they say, Hey, I want you to rebalance my 401k. And then I saw, you know, I'm excited about what we do and I'm telling them everything. And they're like, yeah, it's not, I just want you to rebalance my 401k. Um, that just, it ends up not being a good relationship because they're looking for one specific thing and, and that's, that's not what we offer. Yep. So no, no it's not really transactional. Um, the, the, you don't, don't want to be in the transactional business. You want to be in the relationship right. business. Um, yep. So, yep. so very, very much holistic. Uh, you, you do go deep into, you know, those, that original conversation, that discovery. Let's just quickly go through your process. Um, if a new client comes in, sort of how many meetings is it? What's the, what, what, what does the meeting structures look like? Yeah, great question. So we, we typically start with an intro call or it's, a, it's usually a Zoom nowadays. Um, and that's the beauty of, uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot of not great things that have happened in the last year with the pandemic, but what has been normalized is virtual meetings and everyone seems to know how to log into a Zoom now, which is kind of great. Um, so you're not spending the first 10 minutes trying to troubleshoot with someone how to get their video going. It just kind of all works. And so we'll we'll usually start with a 15 to 25 minute Zoom and it's just getting to know each other. Um, and if that meeting feels agreeable and and that client says or, or that prospect says, hey, I think we're we want to at least go into the next conversation. Um, the next meeting is what we call a financial life mind mapping session. So it is very um, detail or goal oriented is, is the word I would use. You know, we're focusing on, you know, what are all the different elements of their financial life, trying to put that together, you know, just trying to, to get a better lay of the land and a picture of their situation and what their goals are and maybe get them to state it in a way that they didn't necessarily think of it before. And so we try to use some proactive, um, you know, questions and, and conversation for that. Um, and then at that point, how long is that meeting? The, the usually 60 to 90 minutes. Yep. Yep. So we we put it we we list it for sixty. Uh, we use Calendly for for scheduling. Uh, we list it for sixty. I find that that goes over, but I also find that listing it for sixty makes sure it's not like a three hour meeting. 
Um, and I talk a lot. So sometimes I have to keep myself in, in restrictions too. Um, and then assuming that meeting goes well, then we move to, uh, usually a, a, a recommendations and implementation is kind of the next step. Um, and so that, that's sort of the second meeting is really, I think where 90% of people decide yay or nay. And if I'm being quite honest, um, you know, we do do a lot of social media and, you know, let's face it, we're, we don't, it's not like if, if you look to our, if you went to our Facebook page, you're, you wouldn't be wowed by thousands of likes or followers, but what does end up happening is, you know, someone, you know, like, and trust refers you to your finance, to the financial planner they work with. They watch some videos, they get a feel for our conversation style, who we are and what we're about. And I, what we're finding is by the time we have those meetings, they've already sort of made the decision as to whether or not, you know, they think they might want to work with us. So it would probably eliminate a lot of people too. Like they might not never call because they see a video of me uh, on Facebook. I'm like, oh, this guy. But I think that that helps us because that, you know, that brings us who, who we ultimately do want to be talking to. Yeah, exactly. And I want to get into that in a second because we, we, we still got to cover the, the marketing piece. Sure. Um, but, uh, but I want to now um, introduce, we'll talk about the ensemble approach. So during that process that you have been through, we've talked about the, you know, the, the holistic planning, um, the, the Zoom chats, the, the mind map, um, the financial life mind mapping, um, and then your recommendations. Talk to me about how this ensemble approach now fits in. Yeah. Um, I, some of it depends on on the phase uh, of life that the client's in. So let's pretend they're perhaps close to retirement and they're making decisions on things like here in the States, you know, it's Medicare, it's Social Security. And so Matt, for example, goes really, really deep on the topic of Social Security. And I happen to know how our health insurance and, and Medicare works, which is really like, I would say, fairly unusual for our field. Um, but clients like that because again, by the time they feel like, okay, I know I can trust this person. I want to be able, this person can now have a conversation with me about something that feels like it's out of scope. But again, to us, it's like, well, it affects your finances. We should be talking about it. So, um, if it's, if it's tax planning is another really good example where every client, every engaged client that we work with, which we have 163 clients, uh, that we define as engaged ongoing relationships, we do their tax return. Um, for almost all of them. And Matt is an enrolled agent uh, here in the United States with the IRS. And he does every single one of their tax returns. And it's such a great opportunity because that is not something I really enjoy. That is not something I know. And it's constantly evolving and changing. And so once a year now, Matt is in a meeting with with these clients talking about their taxes and making sure that everything is in sync from their portfolio to their withholding. And all of that is is very much in sync with one another. Um, so there might be a situation where if I'm the lead, lead advisor in that relationship, I might do the majority of the touch points or maybe have the portfolio and analysis meeting or a 401k checkup meeting, um, company retirement plan meeting. But he's then talking about very specific things. And or if it's if it's a client where he's the lead advisor and they're approaching this Medicare health insurance decision, I come in and, and have roughly a 30 to 60 minute meeting with them and talk to them about that. And we, we, we're very interchangeable in that way. And because we know everything that's going on with the clients, because we're very detailed about note taking, Matt was on vacation for two weeks. Um, and it was the first time, I think, in his career where he was able to truly trust that he could unplug. I'm, you know, just... And that was we like our goal was just please don't you don't check your emails try to unplug, um, and I could insert myself in those conversations when a client called asking about a situation. So it's it's difficult because there there is a lot of coming together with that, but man, is it worth it just because of the speed at which we feel like we can move? Like we we just genuinely feel like we can service a client better because we've carved out these niches of what we're good at within financial planning. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. And so you, um, so, so you obviously both, and you, you would sit in the meeting or, or listen to the other person speak and go, yeah, yeah, I, I could, I could, I, I now, I, I get the basics of it, but they got, they're like really sharp on the, or this particular person is really sharp on that particular topic. So, yeah, and and clients, and this goes back to what you said, like the foundational clients, that took a little bit of work to get them comfortable with someone else coming in, uh, but anybody knew that on boards, like that's the expectation now, and and they they almost prefer it. Um, so it's, uh, it, it did take a little bit of time to assimilate clients to that philosophy. 
Yep. Yeah, but do you, the- do you guys see that? Do you see that a lot in Australia? I mean, do you see partnerships or is it mostly solo advisors or, or how does it, how do you see the industry trending? Yeah, there's certainly uh, there's certainly a lot of successful partnerships within uh, within the profession here. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a lot of um, obviously solo as well, but uh, certainly when it, with regards to a lot of the the size of the businesses and the legislation, the way that sort of businesses have been either need to be small and nimble or larger uh, and more partnerships. Yeah. So um, look, I, I certainly do the the on the um, the ensemble approach or the team advice approach. Um, I haven't seen so much actually be fair uh, but I, I no. quite like the the, the concept um, people are tending to bring uh, you know we have um, you know what we call Centrelink here which is the social security people tend to bring uh, experts in that may not necessarily be in their employ in their in their business but bring people in in those situations so there's a lot of referrals yeah. we bring lawyers in to do the estate planning we bring uh, accountants in to have those conversations so there is a lot of team approaches but not necessarily within the same business so I, I you know I, I love what you've done yeah. Now I want to get into the concept of uh, professional cost fees. How much you know? Not how much you charge, but you know, you um, you you've decided to, to take a stance on how you charge your fees. Yeah. Yeah. So for the most part, it's it's either a direct advisory fee, you know, like a like a flat annual bill, or it's an advisory fee as a percentage of the portfolio. So for us, it's it's a one percent uh, AUM fee. Um, yep. And that's I, I would say that that seems to be pretty industry standard here in the States. Uh, I don't, I've seen advisors charge more than that. Um, we don't feel necessarily compelled to do that. Um, because we feel like there's enough margin to do good work. If, you know, if you're managing a, you know, a a million dollar portfolio and that's, you know, the math of that is pretty easy. It's $10,000 a year. Um, we can, we feel confident that we can do the work that we do and still, you know, pay our overhead and, and make money for our families. So, um, like I said, we've seen advisors go higher. Uh, I've yet to see advisors go below that um, in the states, but I, you know, you know, fee compression is a real thing, so that that may that may happen eventually. And how do you decide whether you go with one percent of assets under management or the flat free fee approach? What's your, so we what's actually, your methodology? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, sometimes we leave it up to the client, um, especially if they're. If they're in these in their accumulation phase of life, so let's say they're a business owner, all of their and and by the way, it, it does seem to tend to be more entrepreneurial minded or business owner type clients if they're not retired. It's either like retirees or business owners who are in that growth phase of their life and they're adding to their business, they're growing their business, and usually with a business owner, like their investments is it's their business. They don't think about anything else. They don't think about adding to retirement accounts or saving for the future because they view their business as that as that asset and income stream. Um, and you know, we've, we know, and we've all learned in this industry that doesn't always last. <laughs> um, so you gotta be diversified and saving in other areas. But in those situations, we'll typically charge a, a flat advisory fee, um, predominantly because there's not necessarily an asset that we can tie our fee to. Um, if it's all based on the valuation of their company, but we're helping them do some really intricate tax planning work. We're helping them set up retirement accounts for their employees, for the company, and so on. Um, that's normally what we would do. Um, but also for retirees, we'll give them the option. You know, we'll say, "Hey, it's it's one percent of the portfolio," or that's about ten thousand dollars a year. If you want to direct pay that, that's totally okay. Most people don't want to. Um, I think it's an out of sight, out of mind thing, to be honest. But most people don't don't choose that option if they can uh, pay it via their portfolio. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, now part of your investing, uh, philosophy is around this uh, concept of evidence based investing to talk to me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, early on in my career, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, if you've seen this at all, but it, there's, there's obviously this ever going conversation about active versus passive investment management. And early on in my career, I, you know, I feel like I got hooked into, like, you know, look at what this active manager did and look at what this, you know, active, you know, mutual fund did or investment strategy did. And, um, you know, I don't mean to make this a divisive conversation, but I fall in the camp of passive investments at this stage of my, of my career, because I learned early on, you know, the active thing is only good when it's good. And then eventually it ends up not working or something happens or their back testing was, 
was wrong or what insert whatever happened, you know, volatility occurs. And then all of a sudden active managers having a hard time because they trade out of the market. And then by the time they get back in the market, you know, came back up and they got whipsawed out of trades or what have you. So um, we're very passive in, in how we view portfolio construction and we, we lean towards uh, exchange traded funds. So we put together a, a massively transparent portfolio where the expense ratios are almost next to nothing and the client can see and trust that their portfolio is moving up and down based on this you know diversified approach that we have um, and for us that that's that's an over explanation of what we feel like evidence based investing means but we're investing in things that that have that have proof of a long term track record um, and if you believe like i do that the markets over time go up not down um, and especially here in the States, you know, there's not really, there's not been a 10 year period of time where the markets have been negative. Even if we have this, you know, we call it the lost decade where, you know, 2001 was like the dot-com crash. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the decade was the 2008 recession. Um, even in that time, the market was basically flat, um, but not negative. And so we believe in the markets long-term and that's, that's how we like to diversify portfolios is with a passive strategy. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. What's so, the what's the sentiment or feeling there in, in in Australia? Yeah, I think it depends depends on the on the on the on the advisor, but there certainly is that scenario around um, the conversation that says uh, I'm here as a and this is what I'm getting from you. Uh, I'm here as a planner or an advisor. My job is to help you control the controllables, the things that we can control, uh, mm. controlling, you know, you, what you do, how you spend it, your planning with around, like, as you just said, with tax planning or, 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 or habits or, or strategies for around the things that you the sets and reps that you can control. Uh, and some of the things that we can't control, obviously markets or, um, or who's going to tweet what in, in, in global politics. But, um, you know, we can't we can't help those sorts of things. We can't help if uh, you know if Elon gets involved or if uh, you know whatever might happen. So, um, yeah, no, like I think uh, it, it very much depends. Some people put themselves as investment specialists, and that's what they love to do. Uh, but you, you know, you've clearly put yourself in the camp of as a holistic um, values based planner, and your job yeah. is to help um, with the uh, to help with the client get through all of the little decisions that they have to make on a day to day basis and, and control the things that they can control. Well, I, I love the way that you phrase that, you know, controlling the things you can, you can control and basically not worrying about the things you can't control. You know, so we, I, I talk to clients all the time about creating rules around their investment strategy and that those rules were put to a test in March of last year when we saw the markets drop more in a three week time span than ever had been before. And I think that um, I, w- I wish Matt was here because I think he'd have a great a great uh, response to this. But I think in that time frame, that is we have a passion for this, but that's really where we earn our keep as advisors. I mean, we can't I can't tell you how many clients we had. Con- I, we we talked to every single client during that three week stretch, and it was about either proactively trading into the portfolio. You know, maybe some portfolios were actually positioned conservatively in preparation for something we didn't know what it would be. And then we could proactively, you know, make a, a, a move to get to their long-term allocation that it should have been. Um, or, you know, holding on and, and trusting that the historical evidence of the market would prove that this is a backslide that will, just like all the others, will come back. And boy, was that a hard time to believe that. I mean, I, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there hearing that, you sure better trust that person because that's a hard time to test that theory. Um, and yet here we are now and market levels are at all time highs compared to that. You know, I, I certainly didn't think that that would prove out that quick, um, that the markets would recover that quick, but you know, well said control, you, you, you got to focus on what you can control, not what you can't. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. Uh, that's, that's brilliant. Now, um, we as we move on, I want to go, go back to the conversation we started earlier. You mentioned the word, um, your sonic branding or your audio branding, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get into this because you're doing some amazing stuff in this space. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, we like it. So we, uh, we we do, like I said, we do a lot of marketing. Uh, we're on social media quite a bit. We have an Alexa skill. So um, for me, for for you know other people I know, they'll they'll in the morning. You know, it's I'll be careful to say it too loud because I think it'll turn on in the background. 
but you'll say play my flash briefing or you know play the daily news whatever and you get to define what those presets are you know so depending on what news stations you want to listen to the local news the weather um uh sports news um and then you can add canderpath 365 which is ours and so it's it's meant to be f- like timely market updates financial news but it's also meant to be you know we pepper in like financial discipline and financial like money motivation stuff too and it's a 30 60 90 second snippet of Matt or myself talking about could be legislation, could be global market news. Like I said, could be money motivation tips. Sometimes we have our kids on, you know, so we do like, we call it fortune cookie Friday um, where we have our kids on. And because we're a family business and we work with families, they, they love that. They, they want to hear from like that personal side to us. And I got to tell you, I remember 10 years ago, not even we'd go to these like practice management seminars And we'd hear, uh, you know, very like world renowned speakers about marketing come to these financial services seminars. And, you know, 10 years ago, they'd say something like, wouldn't it be amazing if you could, you know, touch your clients uh, with communication twice a month um, in between meetings. And I remember that very, very specifically because I remember that had all to do with email marketing campaigns, you know, about 10 years ago. And, um, I really think as we've evolved, now we're sitting here in 2021, my thought is, wouldn't that be amazing if you could literally touch your client every day and communicate with your client every day if they opted into it? Because if you tried to like reach out to your client every day, by day three, they'd, they'd be like, okay, stop calling me. This is annoying. Um, but if they opt into an Alexa skill where it's 30, 60, 90 seconds, maybe your family's involved, maybe you're, you're talking about important stuff that they care about, suddenly that that matters. Or if they're scrolling through... Instagram or they're scrolling scrolling through Twitter or Facebook or whatever and whatever social media medium they like to use and they passively see a short video of me talking about the election or me talking about um, the markets or whatever it it might be enough to captivate their attention it might not but regardless they're still hearing from us in a passive way that they opted into because they chose to follow us or subscribe to us in those ways. So I'm really passionate about that because I think that most people view marketing as a means of getting a new client or making a new sale. And we don't view it that way. We view it as like, that's the ancillary, that's the secondary benefit of that, tertiary benefit of that really. It, the, the primary is to stay connected to our clients because it's far more expensive to acquire a new client than it is to keep your existing client. And so we want to stay connected wherever they are. We we want to be not in an not in an annoying way, but I, I think that that's really changed how we do. The last few years, um, we've had a lot of clients give us that feedback, like, "Man, you're everywhere. You guys are everywhere." Like I see, he's like, "Whatever you're doing, you know." I had one client say, "Whatever you're doing, keep it up," because I just I feel like I log into like one thing, I see you there, then I check my email, I get an email from you guys. He said, "You're everywhere," and and that's not by accident. We we want to be, we want that because we want clients to constantly feel like connected to us yep and as the algorithms kick in the, the more they consume the more they get um now yeah. let's just i'm going to slow this down a little bit um so because i'm a big fan of the the converse the, the, the idea around i think advisors should be doing something in the space the, the newsletter is is a bit older now um what's next after the newsletter we're talking i'm thinking i'm i love the idea of podcasts i think there's some planners here in the in that do great podcasts. They do them for their clients and they win other clients because of them. Um, yeah. Now you're doing this thing. We, I'm going to slow it down. It's called the Alexa skill. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. So yeah. it's a skill. It's that's what Alexa calls it. It's known as you know, um, you know, Alexa, give me the give me the skill. It's a 30, 60, and 90 second snippet of you just uh, a video. Uh, sorry, an audio recording, and. Yep. Uh, it's just you being helpful about something. Is that correct? That's correct. And the way that I would, the way that I'd like to think of it is it's a, it's almost like a mini podcast. It's, it's a, it's a mini podcast. It's a, it's a really short micro form content that you can share to your audience uh, that listens. And if they subscribe to it and they, they happen to listen to it through their Alexa um, we haven't yet gotten on other devices like Google, I think has Chromecast or, or maybe it's not Chromecast, but they have a different one, but we're only on Alexa uh, right Google now. Google Home, I think, yeah. Google Home, yeah, sorry. Yep. Um, and so it's only on Alexa at the moment, but the other thing is we obviously repurpose our content. So, you know, that that snippet then turns into like a Facebook story or an Instagram story, or we share that in a different way. Maybe we, Maybe I do film it as a video, 
Um, you only hear the audio when you're listening to Alexa, but you see the video if you were on our LinkedIn page or our Facebook page or what have you. Um, so we do try to change it up quite a bit. Um, we have a podcast as well. Uh, but, and again, that's more, it's really not financial driven. It's, it's truly lifestyle driven. Um, cause I feel like it's a good way for people to get to know you, like you said, but the, the Alexa snippet's pretty cool. And I gotta tell you, it's easy to do. Like it feels intimidating at first. It feels like a lot of work and it is, but it's like anything else, you know, once you start building the muscle, it's, it's there and it's easy to do. Yeah. Fantastic. And if anybody's on, yeah. uh, uses Alexa, they can jump on Candapath, C-A-N-D-O-R-P-A-T-H-365. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's it. Yep. Um, if you just search uh, that Alexa. and yep. and our handles at Candorpath on most most uh, social media platforms, so they can find yep. us there too. Excellent. And how do you yeah. come up with the topics? How do you work out what to say? Um, yeah, it kind of it just varies. So uh, a great example will be eventually um, this podcast will air, and we'll take snippets of this conversation, and you know we'll we'll highlight that because I think that's really. That's cool for clients to see that, you know, we're on, dip, we're on different podcasts and different publications. And so we'll, we'll actually create micro content out of this even and share that to our community as long as you're okay with that. Absolutely. Uh, of yeah. course. <laughs> um, and then other times it's, it's, you know, usually market volatility presents like a whole slew of opportunities of things to talk about because then all of a sudden people are paying attention to market news. Um, so we'll, we'll go down that path or it'll just be, like I said, We'll have, we'll do um, a couple months ago was financial literacy month. So the whole month was, and it was a slow month. I don't remember what month it was, but like it was a slow market news month. So it was, it was just all about financial literacy and, and different topics like, you know, building your credit score and paying down debt and, and stuff like that. Yep. Fantastic. I love, I, I love that. I love this micro content concept. Yeah. I think it's uh, something that uh, a lot of planners around the world can pick up on uh, and should yeah. be. Should be. Yeah. Um, I, I think in our world, there's, there's, it's like the information is endless. The stuff that we could talk about could go on and on. So it's fun. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, what, what other forms of technology do you use within the business? Um, so we're very tech heavy, actually. I mean, we use, we use Zoom for most meetings. We use Calendly for scheduling. Um, we use, we're, we're G Suites. I think it's called uh, Google Workspace now, but um, we, it's Google everything um, as far as our, as far as how we run our company. Uh, our employees, it's it's optional to work um, from the office or remotely. It's totally to their discretion. We do have team team meetings. You know, we call it, you know that's a great call to action just for getting people in the office and and working together and seeing each other. But for the most part, it's a lot of Google Hangouts and um, you know we use Loom for internal stuff. Have you heard of Loom? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, that's great to be able to share a con if i'm talking to matt about something and i want him to visually see the concept that i'm talking about i can share that and shoot a video and send it off to him and he can watch it when he's ready to dive into that topic you know he might be doing three different things not ready for me to stop his you know his flow of whatever he's working on um and then uh we use a crm that uh this was like this is we got a lot of weird looks um here in the states about this change but uh the crm that everybody seems to use is a company called redtail um, and we switched to a company called Copper, um, which is a Copper is, have you heard of it? No, I haven't heard of Copper. I've no, heard of okay. Redtail, yeah. Um, so Copper is a, it's not a financial uh, driven CRM, um, but I mean, it's two factor, the level of encryption's deeper and uh, it's Google uh, integrated. So for us, that mattered, that almost mattered more. Um, to make sure that the flow of information could could uh, you know flow properly, and we've got a very uniform process about how we do certain things. So we do um, an investment policy statement one uh, once a year that we update. Um, we we take our client meeting notes in the same exact uh, format every time, and we use Google Forms for that. So we'll fill out you know one advisor will fill out a Google Forms to answer all of the meeting notes. What's their portfolio allocate? Like there's a set of preset questions, and then there's you know, uh, you know, a text box for more extensive answers. Um, and then that goes straight into the client's folder in their CR in, in our CRM goes straight to them and it gets emailed to everybody if there's an action item for that person. So if there's an action item for like Sherry on our team or Megan on our team, it'll get emailed directly to them. So, um, we actually rely pretty heavily on, on technology. Um, and that was, that was definitely exposed in, you know, with, with COVID when everybody went, went home, um, we really got to put it to the test. So it was, it was a fun exercise to see 
how can we get better at it? And that's a constant evolution to get better at it. But do you, do you find that, is there a limitation? Cause there is here in the States, is there a limitation for different types of technologies and compliance and um, how you implement certain things? Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's, it's, it's a very um, busy space, obviously, with regards to, you know, financial services yeah. technology. Uh, but, you know, I think of, uh, when I think of a CRM, you know, I think of um, two aspects of it, you know, one being, a, you know, a, a, a client relationship communication machine, uh, you know, like as mm-hmm. in, um, you know, there's some great CRMs out there um, that do just that, just communication, no numbers, just communications. Yeah. It's based on, you know, a, a human relationship. And then we have other, you know, um, uh, the, the concept of having a financial CRM that can then calculate and do metrics and those sorts of things. And I think what's happened here is we often uh, assume they have to be the same CRM or, you know, it all mm-hmm. has to work together in one piece. But uh, I think um, I think over time it'll, you know, maybe end up being two. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, I think the the beauty of a lot of this is there's there's open, there's becoming a little more open access for like one tech platform to communicate to another which at least for us is making that easier because we have similar things. You know, we have a financial planning software that we use, um, platform that we use as well as some other things. But yeah, I mean, there's just never a one size fits all solution, unfortunately. No, I, I don't think it's necessarily been, uh, been, you know, been completely solved just yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day. Uh, now, obviously, uh, three and a half years in, you've grown your team substantially. Talk to us about uh, the growth of your team and, and, and where, where to from here. <laughs> Yeah, well, we joked that for the first like couple of years, it was just two knuckleheads, um, you know, figuring this out and and stumbling along. But if if I had to try, if I tried to identify each year with like a specific thing we were facing, I think year one, 2018 was keep our clients. Um, 2019 was grow the business. And, and like I shared with you earlier, you know, where client referrals became a little more abundant and a little easier. Um 2020 was recognizing, obviously it was, you know, the market crash and the pandemic, there were all those things, but it was also recognizing that we were potentially on the road of, of ex- the, what we call experiencing unhealthy growth. Like there's, there's healthy growth and unhealthy growth. And so um, we're also very, we're, we're, we're family men. We each, my business partner has two boys. I have a, a son and daughter and we have the propensity to work a lot. And because we love what we do, we could really lean into that. And, you know, I'm I'm recording this with you at 8 p.m. And I would be so happy to work until midnight. I, I mean that. But um, that's also not healthy. <laughs> and and so we had to accept and realize, like, at some point, if it's just going to be you and I, uh, we're going to be we're going to be capped uh, at in terms of capacity. There's, there's just only so many hours in a day. And so we really started building the internal, like we kept saying um, to ourselves, like our, our, I guess our mantra was, um, you know, build internally now for external growth later. Uh, and 2020 was the year for that. We we read a book by Gina Wickman called Traction. And I don't know if you've heard of that, but um, it's, a, it's just a framework for how you run your company and uh, you know, what, from from accountability charts to weekly check-in meetings to the goals um, that you want to have aligned uh, with everybody in the company. So it's it's just a framework for how to run the company, basically. And we really leaned into that. And we we you know now fast forward to today, we do um, level ten meetings every Monday. They're called level ten meetings, but they're like weekly check-ins. We do quarterly rocks meetings to make sure we're on track for what our goals are. You know, for one, three, and five years, and and all that type of stuff. What we were what we were really setting ourselves up for was um, being prepared to hire because again, like in 2018 and 19, you're sca- it's your scarcity. It's like you know, is are we going to lose clients? Is the market going to drop? What's, are we going to be able to hire? And uh, we made our first hire um, in October of 2020, our first full time hire, and uh, that was Megan. Which the funny um, story about her is that she was she's actually her and her husband are, are clients. Like I've I've known them for over a decade. And, um, she's the best hire we ever could have made. I mean, she is the most dependable, trustworthy person we know. And, um, she's our director of client relations, but her role is fastly switching to a more of like an operational role as we're growing. Um, so that's kind of ever changing and evolving. Um, and then we also hired, uh, Sherry, who is also a certified financial planner, but at a phase in her career where she, 
She really wants, she doesn't want to be in the client facing meetings like Matt and I are. Um, but she likes doing a lot of like the, some of the back channel support, whether it's paperwork, you know, uh, client updates, um, helping us prepare for a meeting. And so it's been, uh, we've, we've certainly lucked out. I feel like we're at this moment, we're two for two with just, you know, great people. Um, and I know at some point that trend can't always continue, but it's been a great journey so far. And the next one, which I kind of alluded to, is like that that paraplanner role where we'll we'll groom somebody to become an advisor um, and do it, you know, the way that um, you know we think financial planning should be done, but with the autonomy for them to do it the way they want to as well. So that's the, that's the that's the balance we'll have to strike. But um, and we're in talks with that position. So it's just it's it's. It's awesome, man. It's been fun. It's it's been fun. And I think what's really cool about it is like you can sense the excitement, obviously, but like we love being in client meetings, we love helping clients. Um, but it's equally as fun, if not more, to to then continue to grow this team to feel like man, we can help clients that much better. Like we, we can do it like our pro- our processes can be that much tighter. We can do it in a different way. So it's it's been it's been pretty cool. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic story too, by the way. I love the fact that um, um, Megan was a uh, was a client. And did you did you like? How did that come about? How did you come about deciding to you you, you identified you needed somebody, and then you just thought, well, she'd be the perfect person. Or? So I'm actually really glad you asked because it is it is it's kind of funny and cool at the same time. She was she has um, an event planning company, and uh, we we went to her in 2019 to help us with events because we were, you know, really trying to, you know, we were just, and our events aren't prospect driven. It's not like, Hey, come out and we'll buy a steak for you and your best friends. And you know, we'll pitch products. Our events are, um, you know, come out and, and go bowling with us, go to top golf, which is kind of like, you know, I don't know if you have a, something yes, like top golf there, yeah, but yeah. it's perfect. Yep. Perfect. So, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but our events are like fun and it's geared towards like clients and their families and bring their kids out or bring their grandkids out. Like it's fun stuff. And she was planning all of those for us. Um, and finally it just got to a point where like, she's so good at what she does and she loved or loves talking with clients and, and, you know, mingling with people at these events and stuff. And so finally we just came to her, um, and, and asked her and, and it was also at a time where we had switched all of our events to virtual events, which I don't know if you have, if you know any advisors who did that super weird thing, but it's kind of turned out fun. We, we have, um, we have a wine expert that comes on and we would do like bourbon tasting or wine tasting and we'd all join a Zoom. Clients would join a Zoom and we'd make it fun and interactive. And she planned all that stuff, soup to nuts. And so finally we said, we have got to work with her in a more like in a bigger capacity. And uh, we offered her a position and thank God she said yes. And, uh, you know, she's she's been a great addition. So yeah, that's actually how it evolved. She was a client, was starting her, her event planning business. I remembered this from meetings and stuff with them and and so we just kind of went to her on a contract basis for events until it just sort of slowly morphed into what it is. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Uh, thank you for sharing that. That's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for coming and chatting to us. Uh, I re- really appreciate you opening up and being so open and honest about it, your whole business, how you grew it, your relationships with your, your staff and with your relationships with your business partner. If someone wants to continue this conversation, what's the best way they can find you or reach out to you? Um, they, any, like our handle, like I said, at Canderpath, um, you can find us on Facebook. Um, I just, my email, I mean, truly, truly, I, I think, like I said, at the beginning of this, it's easy to feel like you're isolated alone on this Island, trying to figure out this industry. And even though somebody that might be listening to this is in Australia and I'm in, I'm in the States and Florida, that doesn't mean our challenges aren't similar and what we're going through as we're, as growing a business. So I, I, you know, I'm open to talk to anybody. I think that's such an important thing. And, um, so my, I'll just give my email address. It's John J O H N at canderpath.com. Reach out to me. Would love to talk with anybody. And honestly, like, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And I, you know, kind of like a fan. So I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity, but, um, yeah, we've, we've been listening for quite some time and, uh, Matt and I just, you know, we'll continue to listen. So appreciate all that you do. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm sure Matt will be keen to listen to this episode to see what you said about him. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Kept it all PG. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much, John. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. Fraser Jack here, and I'm joined by Emily Blanche. Hey, Emily. Hello. That's me. Favorite time of the week. <laughs> it is. It is. Let's do some shout outs. Who are we going to uh, shout out today as part of our community? 
Yes, massive shout out to 3XY Advisors, Felicity Cooper, Nat Daly, and Ross Murray, who joined our panel in this week's XY on Tour digital events. Absolutely crushed it. We were talking activation. So over three weeks, we've been covering the Pirate Metrics framework for an advisor's um, advice process. So awareness, acquisition, activation, revenue, retention, and referrals. And this event was all about activation. So what are you doing to make that first meeting with a new client successful? Amazing discussion, Fraser. I know you were a part of it as well, uh, tuning in as an attendee. Plenty of great questions coming through the chat. And all three panelists were incredibly generous and such open books in sharing their experiences, their business models, their processes. And it just made for a really good dose of collaboration and idea sharing. So huge shout out to those three for jumping on board and delivering the goods. 